They have this idea, and we've mentioned this again before, but they have this idea that we can short-circuit the process. We yeah. can take a shortcut. Yeah. You know what? These other teams had to lose for a couple of years to get, you know, Victor Hedman and Steven Stamkos and Patrick Kane and Sidney Crichton. We don't need to do that. We can short-circuit the system. We'll take a shortcut, and we'll just get a free agent, and we'll have our second-line players play on the first line. Yeah, that's what we'll do. That'll get it done. That'll win us the cup. Like, those are the sorts of decisions that these fucking people are making in this ownership group in front office that is infuriating. And it's like, look, like, you know, folks like us have been commentating on this team for quite some time now. And anybody that's listened to us or read us over the years knows that we are not the kind of crew that's just saying, oh, we just have to tank all the time or we just have to draft, draft, draft. No, if you go back to our shows, even as as you know, as recently as two years ago, we were the anti-draft folks. You know, we were saying, "Look, the window is now. Yeah. We're advocating that this team needs to trade yep. first-round picks to bring in talent now to win with the players they have now because this window is not going to last." You know what? But now we're a couple years later. The window is firmly closed, and now we're advocating a different direction. So it just goes with. Our opinions go with what this roster is telling us. It's like these guys are not capable of winning anything. They're not in a position where they're going to be winning anything anyway for a couple of seasons. We have to change course. And I think that folks like us have been commentating right on. You know, we are not married to one particular direction or not. We we look at what's in front of us and we judge it accordingly. And that's that's my expectation of the front office. And again, context is king. You're going to lose your franchise guy in Claude Giroux. You've missed the playoffs three of the last four years. Like, at what point do you have to wake up and smell the coffee and say, maybe we got to try something different? Maybe we got to steer the ship in a little bit of a different direction. Maybe we're not just going to go and, you know, use that 8.25 million or whatever it is of Giroux's, uh, you know, money that comes off the books and we're going to blow it on, you know, John Klingberg. Why? How's that really going to help you? And then you're under the assumption that John Klingberg is going to come here. Whereas, again, like we saw with guys like um, uh, John Tavares, where other teams offered more, but he went to Toronto because he just wanted to. Like, that's the thing with unrestricted free agents. And we got kind of pooed on for saying, well, this isn't really a free agent destination because, well, Kevin Hayes came here. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah Petrangelo told him to fuck off. Paid him out the ass, you know. Right? Like, is that what you want to do with Klingberg? Because I guarantee you, another team will offer Klingberg three quarters of a million less, but the outlook is better for the team and for his individual success. And he'll sit there and go, "I'm going to go with that team," and that's it. And that's why people laugh. And 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 I got a lot of nasty comments, but it was in a fun way. 
This is why I think PK Subban is coming to Philly. Because they're <laughs> I gonna, think you're right, dude. I think you're dude, right. Yeah. Let, let's look at the history. The Flyers have been interested in PK Subban a few times. Yep. Over the years. Right? This isn't a new thing. No. And you sit there and you go, they're gonna strike out on Klingberg. And they Risk need a righty. And then literally, it like the stars align. Like you got a guy coming off a nine million dollar contract. It might even be more per year, and he's gonna want some money, but mm, people aren't gonna be paying him that money. And then a team like Philadelphia is gonna run in and go, "Here, have some money. Come on to Philadelphia," and he's just gonna say, "Sure." <laughs> like, think about it, guys. He's a second pair right defenseman, and if we need him to in case of injury to Ellis, he can go on the top pair. Yeah, like except the problem is he has, he has an injury history as well. That's the problem. And it's like, well, he won a Norris. He's a guy. You could pair him with Provorov. And, he's, and there's going to be this whole thing, and people are going to work themselves into a tizzy. And if you think the fans are bad, I guarantee you the front office is 100 times worse. <laughs> And they're going to trip all over themselves to get that guy because that'll be like the last other right defenseman guy. Who are you going to get? Colin Miller? That's going to be your guy? That's going to be the home run that Fletcher hits in this offseason? <laughs> Colin Miller. God. Like, seriously? Who, who else? Who else are you going to get? It's it's slim pickings you know, out there. We had somebody having the after the Flyers AD where we talked at length about the right-handed defenseman and our plans, and somebody's like, so your solution is Ristolainen and Jan Ruda? And I'm like, listen, I'm open for fucking solutions here, okay? Between the free yeah. agent market and the limited trade market, at least that we know of right now, there's not a lot of enticing players for right-handed defensemen. Ironically enough, the Flyers have two biggest players in their team being Ristolainen and Braun, you know? So what do you do then? You know, you don't... There, it's not like this is a... Chock full free agent market. We're trying to cheap our way out of this one. The quite contrary. The free agent market is shit. The right defenseman market is shit. And the only trade target that we've heard of thus far is Petrie. You know? Yeah, and it which makes doesn't sense. exactly fucking get me hard at this point in my life. <laughs> so it's like I don't know what the fuck you do. If anybody has a solution out there, I'm willing to hear you out. But for right now, like the market is so shit that there's not an easy way out of this right-handed defenseman. That's it. Plain and simple. You need two top right-handed defensemen, and you're not going to find one, let alone out both. I can totally see the 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 first round <laughs> pick that they get for Giroux. I could totally see them. That's traded to Montreal for Jeff Petrie at God. this point. One's that's going to be their well, solution. Something's going to get traded for yeah. Petrie. Yep. <sighs> Petrie dish. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well. That's that explains this team to a T. <laughs> what are we growing in the Petrie dish right now? <laughs> Some sort of green bacteria is growing. <laughs> yeah, a fungus. <laughs> so bad. Oh, gosh, so bad. <laughs> now, Mike, you wanted to talk about analytics uh, in the group chat. Ah, yes. The, the team yes, analytics yeah. versus public analytics. Thank you. Thank you. I, I, I did not put that on my notes, but no, you're right. So, all right. So this is the question that comes up with analytics here is that um, I think Jason Martinez recently had uh, someone from the Flyers, he's like their head analytics guy or something for the department on his show. And one of the main takeaways that I got from it was that, look, analytics are important in decision-making, but the stuff that we use for NHL teams, our categories, are vastly different and more robust than the categories that public analytics have. Yes, 
we look at so many different other things, you know, like how long a player is possessing a puck or, you know, like if they're if they're stripping a puck from somebody else. There's, there's a ton of other things that he went into where you start to create valuations of players that are a lot different than what the public analytics advocates are are telling us is gospel. And you look at a guy like Rasmus Ristolainen, who is a great example of why that is the case here and why the Flyers allegedly offered him that huge contract, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And the theory is, well, why would Chuck Fletcher offer him that kind of contract if the analytics, at least the public ones, say this guy is one of the worst players in the league? Well, the conclusion from that is that the analytics the Flyers are using are not telling him that. They're telling him that he's a pretty good player. And this is a, you know, this is a great example play that we saw. What was this game um, against the Capitals yeah, or something Capitals a couple game. of weeks ago where, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what happened during this play, but essentially Ristolainen is in the defensive zone, separates opponent from puck, maintains possession, makes an excellent outlet pass, leads immediately to an Atkinson goal off of the rush. Something that has happened quite a few times this year, by the way. Indeed, very we good talk- at throwing the body in the defensive zone, separating the puck, and getting it out of there. It's a thing. And listen, I could rant and rave about analytics all day long, okay? But the thing is, is the public models, the Jay Freshes of the world, ignore so much of the sport. You know, you ignore the physicality, and that's why Ristolainen isn't liked by these guys. You ignore what he brings to the table. But the reality of the situation is, what he brings to the table is incredibly important. It's a physical sport. It's hockey, for fuck's sake. You know, the ability to get somebody off the puck and do what he does, that's big, and it's not measured in their system, right? So when you are ignoring a fact that I, as an eye test viewer, am watching going, that was a great fucking play, and your heat map doesn't show it, you know, how am I supposed to take you seriously? And again, I could spend fucking hours ranting about this topic, but... You know, so the, well put, Dan. The, the, so the well team put. thing, the they have to analyze everything, every aspect of a player. They cannot go, well, we're not going to look at this stat. We're just not going to favor it. We're going to pretend it doesn't exist. You know, you need to analyze everything. And it's the top of the top people there that can put those ideas together and take the best of the eye test physicality world and the analytics world and put them together. And we were talking about in the group, there was a... Jay Fresh put out a thing about uh, Patrick Laine, and that his offense was complete shit. And somebody in the response goes, how does he have 20-some goals and his offense is shit? Well, he boils it down to the fact that he scores goals from the perimeter, not the slot, the high-danger chances. So because he doesn't shoot from the high-danger areas, the offense that he produces doesn't matter. And it's like, I hate that. That makes me not want to believe anything you say from an analytic standpoint, because it's bullshit. You are just cherry-picking whatever the fuck you want to believe and whatever else doesn't matter. When the reality, it all, it's all under the hockey umbrella, the sport umbrella, the physicality, the perimeter shots, all this, it goes into the game. You know, the role-playing bottom liners, the physical, the physical defensemen, the offensive defensemen, they all play a part in the grand scheme. Yeah. And the teams that fucking win the cup every year figure that out. They can find those pieces and put them all together and make it every year. 
Why do you think teams like Toronto, who are so fucking lopsided one way or the other, don't make it? Why does Edmonton not make it with the two best players in the world? Because they don't have any fucking defense. You know, they can't figure their shit out. They can't put a complete game together. Fuck, this is not rocket science. These people that think they're fucking smarter than everybody else are the dumbest motherfuckers I've ever met. <sighs> proprietary information. Proprietary information. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the right. equalizer on that line thing, and many, I'm sure you agree with this too, is similar to Ovechkin, is that Line is one of the handful of players in this league that can beat goalies cleanly from outside high danger areas. That's why he's so damn good. Yeah. His shot is spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing shot. Yeah, like that, and that's the whole thing is he doesn't have to rely on being in the slot because his shot is lethal and he's shown it throughout his junior career in in Finland at the world juniors I've seen it like he can just whip that puck and it just he can pick corners he can beat goalies clean and it doesn't have to be right in the slot he just has to get an eye look up and fire it and that's it like if you if you really think about it like who are the best shooters in the NHL in your opinion I, I would say Matthews is has got the best shot I think I think Austin Matthews is there. Matthews, think, Ovi, and Line. Ovi, Line. Like who else? Who else did you put? Maybe a Kane. Probably Kane. Sometimes he he showcases it. I know he's a little bit more of a passer now. I'm trying to think, who's even like a? Maybe a McKinnon. A R- Rantanen has got a nice little okay. shot too. Maybe a Huberto. Sean Couturier. Yeah, yeah, but like, I think Ovechkin, no, nobody Matthews, on the flyers. and Line A are definitely it, – it's because the speed of it is just – it's just like – it's paralyzing to the goalie, essentially. Like Caprice – like see, like Pasternak is go- a good goal scorer, but I yeah. don't put his shot in the same level as a Matthews mm, or an Ovechkin no. or a Line A. He's yeah. a different He's the kind of hmm. – Yeah, because he also, he also likes to kind of crash and – muck and get rebounds and, and things too. He can shoot the puck, but not at the same level as those other guys. Right. Yeah. No, I agree with your list. I think those top three are pretty much what I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling like I'm missing somebody. Probably. I mean, I'm just trying to scan my brain for, you know, all the teams right now. See, like I don't even put McDavid at that. I don't think his shot is uh, an Austin Matthews type shot. No, because he doesn't. His pastor. game isn't style that game. Yeah, right. It's I think he's got the IQ, pastor, yeah. the IQ, the speed. He beats he can, Matthews almost everywhere else. And he but puts it, himself in situations shot. where he can just totally like he just dance around players essentially. So does it need to have that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah like that, and that's the whole thing too. With to, to piggyback back to the analytics thing. Yeah. Is the whole thing about? I think the guy's name is Ian, Ian Anderson, something like that. Ian, I forget. It's Ian something, but uh, the head of analytics for the Flyers. Yeah, and that's the thing is like these things are all publicly available, and you've got people that are making their you know online presence felt by making those those hockey cards and their little maps and all that stuff. And you know what? you want to do that in your spare time. That's cool. Like uh, do whatever you want, but I, I hate the attitude behind it, Yes, which is I'm right. 
and I don't care what anybody else says yeah. because my drawing or my my chart and my little flow chart X Y axis it's like a freaking Cartesian plane like we're doing uh, <laughs> you know graphing in math class again but uh, it, it it that's the weird part and then you sit there and you go look at these and like what's the end game so you look at all the analytics people in the NHL and they all have master's degrees, PhDs in, you know, statistics, data management, uh, analysis, you know, data analysis. Like these are people that have had to write and and really study, you know, numbers and how to look at data. And then instead you've got people that sit there and they think that because they watch the game and, and, you know, you know, why do you think teams don't hire Jay Fresh or, you know, uh, uh, who's the other one? The math, ineffective math. Why don't teams hire them? Because they're not doing anything real. <laughs> if they were worth the shit, somebody's analytic department would pick them up. Well, Ian specifically said in that Martinez interview, he said, look, like we are using many categories of data that the public is not. So yeah. like there was no, no question that the categories of information were more robust than what the typical, you know, Twitterites that we're seeing have. So I think that that immediately just kind of knocks down these player cards and all that crap to this, like, uh, they're half credible type of, you know, analysis, which is what most of us have looked at them at. It's like, okay, they might have some value, but they're not telling the whole story. You know, that's the whole thing here. So fucking people (laughs) suck. That's just, uh, well, I thought Dan Knightley the other day put out a tweet. He was like, you, do you hate the analytics, the, 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 the math more, or the people more? I'm like, it's the fucking people 10 out of 10 times. <laughs> yeah. They're just the fucking worst. God, there's not a single good analytics person out there. They're just the big human piles of shit. I would just post the Mertitis interview next time there's any sort of, you know, squabble or something. Just say, like, just listen to the first five minutes of this, man. Like, you know, your data card ain't. Right, man. It just is not telling everything. Like, there's just no question. You know, once you hear stuff like that, you know, I don't know what their response is to that. They they can't say anything because they're not there. And and also on top of that, I firmly believe, and I have I mentioned this probably a couple months ago on the show, but I firmly believe that a lot of these folks that do these public analytics stuff, their tracking is off by at least five percent. Somewhere in that range, three, five, six, seven percent. And when you track wrong like that, those percentage points play such a critical factor in what your end results are. Like, who the fuck is tracking this? I guess some fucking like 18-year-old kid, you know, oh shit, I missed a couple zone entries. Sorry. You know, oh well that makes a huge difference on the fucking ninety-five percent. Right. And actually Ian Anderson was on uh Snow the Goalie today. I heard it today. Which oh, cool. is, uh, yeah. So he San Filippo basically was asking him a lot of the same questions. And he said, one of the things that the team analytics do is they know that there's a certain bias in the way that different hockey clubs count their analytics. Amazing. So it's like, it's like, you know, when you see these hockey games and you go, dude, there's no way the Flyers got fucking eight shots on goal. Yeah. Back. Robert Haig had 45 hits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like there's no way. Right? Totally you right. have to watch it. And yep. then you sit there and you go, okay, so they counted this, but that's not really a shot. And they counted that. Okay. So they already know that like certain clubs tend to skew things in certain ways. And that's, that's one of the variations that they kind of 
negate uh, and, and, and account for when they, when they build the analytics. So that was a cool thing that, uh, that I thought too. And the other refreshing thing and uh, Russ joy basically introduced the, the segment by saying, whether you like analytics or not, it'll be an interesting listen. And I, and I agree. It was an interesting listen. I liked it when they got personal with them and then they asked them, they're like, so we're like, what, what's up with you? Like, what do you do? He's like, well, you know what? I, I like spending time, at, you know, with my wife and my kids, and I like to do this, and I love baseball, and I did. And it's like, oh, the guy's a real person. He's not a virgin sitting in his basement, fucking <laughs> counting zone entries and putting them on a fucking map in in the color red. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's yeah. actually a real person, and he actually went to university and studied data and has a master's degree in analytics and, and data management. Like this is not some, you know, fly by night operation guy on Twitter. Like this is actually legit stuff. This isn't a guy that, you know, a failed supply teacher, which, which one of them is, but anyways, it, like it, it's legitimate guy, like, and, and, and what, whatever you feel about analytics and stuff. And I'm a little bit more open to it now than I was, uh, you know, a couple years ago, I still don't think it tells the whole story. And I think it's just more information that can be used, but it was refreshing to hear like, okay, this is actually a legit guy. Like this is a guy who worked with the capitals. This is a guy that's worked in another team before, uh, looking at this stuff. Like, this is not just some guy from the internet that they hired. This is a legitimate guy yeah. that went to school and studied this and i i'm i'm more i have more faith that that's uh, a better way to go than just listening to the nonsense on twitter yeah i mean the fact that ian and like i mentioned the fact that ian specifically denounced the public models as being incomplete i mean that to me is just like i mean like how do you dispute that you know and i was i was really happy he did that because that that tends to help us understand why these organizations make decisions about signing players that the public analytics community thinks are crap. Yeah. Like, you know, these people aren't fucking morons. I mean, to some extent they are, I guess, but when it comes to player evaluations, they're looking at a lot of different factors and like they're, they're not leaving any stone unturned here. So the fact that Jay fresh has a player card that says 1%, I bet that flyer player card probably says like 85%, yeah. you know? It's, it's about evaluating the entire game. And it's where a lot of those people, I don't think, do that. You know, those player cards don't tell the whole story. They tell like 30% of the story, you know? Mm -hmm. the, the the assessments I make watching the game on a night-to-night -night basis, I guarantee are more accurate than whatever the hell he has on his paper that a computer generated, you know? I, that's, just, that's just what it is. And I think the, the Flyers front office and the analytics department across the league find ways to make that happen. You know, it's no it's no surprise that teams with, you know, gigantic analytic departments sign people that are unpopular to the regular analytic, the public analytics department. You know, when Cody Cece shows up on your team or, you know, whatever. And it's like, yeah. that's probably not good. But it's like, the reality is there's something more happening there you know they, they can realize what they bring and don't bring to the table and you know it's just uh i don't know i could just talk about this analytics thing forever i, I hate this yeah. topic well it's pretty interesting i mean like we spent some time on it you know tonight but at the same time it's like you know there are these advancements coming out and i'm so glad that guys like ian have, are being interviewed because it's really kind of helping us understand what's going on and 
and dispelling a lot of the a-holes on Twitter about how what they're saying is gospel. So it's, it's actually really helpful. But uh, anyway, hey, Dan, so did you want to go through the Flyers at a town hall meeting just to kind of switch gears a bit? There were some interesting uh, interesting topics in that town hall meeting that came up. Did you want to get into any of those things? Let me pull that article up quick so we can uh, look at some yeah. Yeah, there was, you know, I've been to, just to kind of give a brief introduction, I can probably speak a little bit more on those than some others. I've I've been to a number of those over the years. I, I did not go to the most recent one, but I went to, I don't know, eight or nine of them, you know, in the 2010s when I was a season ticket holder. And, um, you know, they're pretty much organized in a, in a certain way. You know, a couple times I've been there, they split you off into groups of like 30 or 50 people or hundred people. And you go to various conference rooms and meet with certain, you know, executives and whatnot. And they kind of, you know, talk to you about how great they are. Um, I've been to other ones where everybody sits in, you know, section 101 and 102 and they set up tables on the ice and, you know, they parade out different people for 15, 20 minute uh, Q and a sessions. Um, I think the one that happened most recently was um, uh, the former where they split you off into groups and they brought in Fletcher Briere for hockey stuff. And then they brought in like a Camillo and a Mike Shane for some of the uh, more business stuff. Right, Dan? Fans were split into groups and taken station to station to meet with different departments of the Flyers and Wells Fargo Center operations. So, yes, I... see here and trying to skim to find out which group is which which group i think a lot of the ones that were here were with uh valerie camillo and mike shane okay okay yeah 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 they do they normally did a business op one um in their like as their own segment and they did they always separated hockey and business stuff altogether. So that's probably what they did this year. But this is the first time they really did one since COVID, I think. They kind of – Didn't well, they do, not do one for the last couple of years of the Hextall era as well? No. That's correct. When Hextall was fired and Dave and um, Chuck Fletcher came in, they just didn't do one that spring just because the organization was in such disarray. They just didn't fucking do one, which as far as I know, was the first time they had never done one in the organization's history because Ed Snyder always mandated you got to be accountable to your fans, you got to talk to them, and this was an opportunity to do that. So I think that was their first deviation from it. Then after that, I'm trying to think, uh, was COVID the year after that? I think it was, yes. yes. Yeah. So then they had that free pass. They got a free pass for two fucking seasons to not do it. I think they did one virtually. One of those times, which is complete bullshit, because it's like essentially like submit your questions in advance and we'll just record it and then, you know, just spit it back out. So that was BS. But this year was the first time they came back in, what, three years to do it live and in the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. A lot of people were talking about on this, too, that, um, you know, they're like, oh, well, nobody asks any good questions. It's always some you know the fans are complicit i'm like no like honestly i've reported on a couple of these town hall meetings back in the day and like i wonder if katie went i think she was going to i don't know if she ever did or not i actually did not hear yeah, much feedback did. from this on social media heard a lot through through the uh, crossing broad yeah. movies 
but I, I did not hear the the feedback like I was expecting to on on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of like honestly, I was one of the main sources that would leak out specific details over the years on these things because I I would take notes and uh, and kind of you know put it out on Twitter and stuff. So I don't know if someone's taken my place to do that yet, but uh, like some people were like, oh well. Season two, was don't ask any good questions or just softballs and stuff. I'm like, that ain't the. I mean, maybe this last one, but when I was a season ticket holder, there were not softballs. For example, one of the first ones I went to was Dave Hackstall's first year as head coach, and the second question to Paul Holmgren was from this guy from Delco, and he said, "When are you going to fire Dave Hackstall?" <laughs> 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 And it's like he's like basically he said that, and then he's like, "You can't compete with the Penguins or the Capitals. What are you going to do about it?" <laughs> and I was like, "Hell yeah, this is great. You know, this is awesome stuff." But uh, I don't know what they said this time. You know, I I don't know if the questions were that good, but I can, but I can tell you that the whole theme of it is excuse after excuse after excuse. It's uh, you know. You didn't see what you just saw. Your eyes are playing tricks on you. And um, I put this, I put this analogy out on Twitter. You guys may get a kick on this on if you saw it or not. But it's, this is the, it's akin to you know you come home late at night and your spouse is in bed you know with somebody else you know just getting <laughs> fucking just power fucked you know, and uh, and you're like what the hell is going on? It's ridiculous. And your spouse is like oh hey it's not what you think. We never kissed each other. <laughs> like it's like what the fuck is this like i can clearly see what's going on don't give me that bullshit you know like so like that's kind of the similar vibe that you get from what the front office says during these uh these town hall meetings i'm just being quiet here because i'm actually just uh, i'm on the comcast spectacore website ah, excellent <laughs> and <laughs> So Valerie Camillo used to work for the Washington Nationals. Correct. Mike Shane also worked at the Washington Nationals. So that seems to me like they kind of really went to the well on this Washington Nationals thing. It's just kind of funny that both of these, um, you know, upper management people both came from the same. So, they said uh, Mike Shane joined the Flyers in 2019, and he had spent the previous 12 years with the Washington Nationals baseball team. Valerie Camillo was with the Nationals from 2014 to 2018. So obviously she jumped and went to the Flyers, and then obviously she must have played some kind of a role mm-hmm. or at least was asked about, hey, this yep. Mike Shane guy. Should we bring him in? And she said, yeah, obviously. So they obviously went to the well here, to the Washington mm-hmm. Nationals. It was kind of interesting. Yeah it's, like, yeah, it's like, what the fuck have they done? Like, why do I need the executives from the Washington Nationals running a franchise like the Flyers that has so much more history, so much more vintage fans? What the fuck do the Flyers have to do with the Nationals? And it's like, like what we talked about, like, they can come in and install – the new sound system and video board and fucking $40 milkshakes. But if they've got no concept of what they're doing beyond that, that the music is fucking blowing people's ears out and shit like that, the simple shit. Why don't you put anything during the screen during intermissions? 
What? Oh, I never thought of that. You know, it's like, no shit, you never thought of that because you don't know what you're talking about. You can come in with all these big fucking ideas and all this shit, but oh, you, they're missing that connection. You know, that, that, that human connection, the fan connection. The shit people have to deal with on a game-to-game basis. They just don't understand that because it's not where they're from, you know? And and then I think part of it, too, is the Washington Nationals were the Montreal Expos yes. back in the day. So they – it was – it's not the same as when you have a team that moves and there's hype and then you're – it's easier to sell tickets and you've got a fan base and it's new and it's fresh and, it, and it's, it's exciting. Whereas you come to the Flyers and it's about tradition and history and, you know, you're, you're catering to a diverse group of fans and you need to kind of make sure that your ticket – prices align a certain way and that there's a respect for the fans and the alumni and all the other thing that go part and parcel with it's a much more established team than the Washington national. Such a good point, man. I think that's that's a a fair, that's a fair point. And I'm, I'm not even critiquing the job that they're doing per se, but it's a different mindset and it's a different strategy that you need to uh, employ with this you would not run you know the toronto maple leafs or the new york rangers the same way that you would do the seattle kraken it's it's different it's totally right oh my god that's so well put the other ones are original six teams yeah that's so well put man it's just he like they brought in these executives to run a team that has a completely different vibe a different history a different identity entirely and they're like, oh, well, they did a great job with this, you know, nothing franchise that is the Washington Nationals. So they can come in here and do the same thing with the Flyers. It's like, no, you don't understand who these fans are. You don't understand who our customers are. And it's been wildly evident that that's the case over yeah. the past five, six years. Wildly evident. And, um, you know, the stuff at the town hall meeting was, was no different. I wish, man... You know, I was going to that Edmonton game the other week, and I couldn't make it down there. The night before the Edmonton game, they did this town hall. Yeah. I should have went with Katie. <laughs> I would have fucking grilled them. They would have they would have fucking absolutely kicked me out or something. But nobody asked about, like on Hockey Op stuff, nobody asked, asked about, you know, what's going on with the team, as far as I can tell from, from the transcription. Now, a lot of this is just the... Valerie and Mike stuff, but the most interesting question and response for me was the Kate Smith statue. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can't believe of everything that's wrong with the Flyers. People are still hung up on this fucking Kate Smith bullshit. They are, yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> of a hundred and one other things that are wrong here, and yeah, why is Kate I, Smith I, taken down? I agree. That's like way bottom of the list on what's happening right now. <laughs> Things about throwing stuff on the ice. Uh, stuff on the scoreboards. The way they say that they fuck up the Let's Go Flyers chant, apparently. Yeah, oh, I read that one, too. <laughs> They're enunciating it wrong. They're enunciating Let's Go Flyers wrong. Oh, my God. Come what on. Kind of, these people pay for season tickets and they go to bitch about this kind of stuff. Fuck, I let me go some... there and grill these people for 40 minutes. I'll fucking get you some answers. You know, I was at one of those where they had like, um, it's like Steve Coates and Jim Jackson were 
a particular panel at one of them. And like, this was during the Haxel era and nobody had any questions for them because nobody fucking cared because they knew <laughs> that they couldn't answer anything relevant to the team. So they're like, I don't care. Like, this team is pissing me off. I hate Dave Haxtell. You can't answer anything about it. Why are you sitting up there? <laughs> How come so just, the pregame warm-up and stoppages, the music is blasted at obscene levels that I cannot talk to the person next to me? That is 100% true. You are not the only person that has that complaint. It is so bad. It's so bad. Well, that's what we talked about the other week. And this is Valerie's thing. I'm the, And I'm one of them. We're just in the last session talking. The head of our game uh, presentation is here in the back. When I'm sitting in my suite and having conversations with the guests I'm hosting, I have the same experience. I'll text upstairs. It varies. It depends on how many people are in the building. The noise can hit differently, and I think they have the volume right, and the crowd is at a different... Uh, when the crowd is at a different level, it is not right. Meaning that if the building was full... It would sound fine, but because the building is an empty fucking cavern, it gets real loud. Yeah. And it depends on where your seat location is. I guess if you're in the rafters, you oh, probably good. can't hear it that loud. If you're at ice level and it's annoying, that's probably not great, because that's where your big money's coming from, right? Your $700 front row ticket. Yeah, like when I was sitting down at the Edmonton game, I was literally, like, right behind the bench. I yeah, was I saw the pitch. Yeah, right there. <laughs> it's like, it is... It is absolutely deafening. <laughs> How did no one ever notice that? <laughs> we get feedback that it was too loud, so we turned it down. Then we got feedback from the players that there wasn't enough pump up and amp. Oh, that's shut what the it was. Fuck up. That's oh, what it was. God. So we turned it back up. It's been a vicious cycle. You know what? They can wear fucking <laughs> headphones because I I'm the one that fucking paid to sit them like to watch them fuck around out there. Like, you can put on your fucking headphones if it ain't loud enough, because I want to sit there and enjoy my goddamn hot dog and popcorn and talk to my friends. You're the ones paying for the seats. Fuck what the players yeah, think. I don't give a fuck. Oh, yeah. Oh, you look at all this pump-up music. What the fuck it's does it do? It's not loud get, enough. It pumps you up so you can get your fucking ass kicked into your ass by the Oilers. <laughs> yeah. We need to get pumped up to lose 5 nothing. <laughs> that is so dumb. It's that an excuse. So Yet another in the litany of excuses. <laughs> Oh my god, I would rip them a new fucking asshole if I heard them say that to me. I'd be like, look, look, there on so many levels. One, you're you're being paid to be here. Other people are paying to watch you suck. Number one. Number two, you want louder music, wear headphones, or put fucking speakers down on the ice during warm-ups to get them pumped up so it's so it just you know, it's on the ice. I don't have to fucking listen to it. They can get pumped up and I can have a conversation with the people that came with me to watch them. Like, uh, their opinion on this issue is irrelevant. <laughs> I would love to hear more about that. We can catch up afterwards and you can give me your contact info. I'd love to hear what some of oh, these specific sure. challenges are. Oh, that's fucking PR 101. The, the other thing, too, is I love how Valerie Camillo has the answers. Like, she's a fucking sound engineer. Yeah. Like seriously, like oh, I'm yeah. sorry, you're an expert on acoustics now. <laughs> I thought you were the business manager or vice president or whatever it is. Well, she haven't paid to install it, Manny. The brainchild well, of that yeah. whole overhaul. So I'm sure she she's a terrific executive, sound engineer. Yeah. <laughs> I turned on a light switch at my house. That doesn't mean I know the ins and outs of the nuclear <laughs> fucking power. You're, you're an electrician now, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, the electrical grid. You know, I know all the ins she, and outs of all this. She is yeah. so awful. I swear to God, she is just so awful with people, man. Like, there's a beware, man. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, there's a reason why she is not out in public very often. I mean, b- being the terrific executive that she is, that Dave Scott said, why the fuck has she never made her presence known at all at the Wells Fargo Center? She came out for one check signing ceremony, what, the <laughs> other week, and that's it. She has not shown her face once during a fucking Flyers game. <laughs> you know, like... Clueless. Totally fucking clueless. Paid six figures to come up with ideas, but never actually lived it themselves. Well, I mean, I guess the thing that we got to hope for is that, look, you know, we got a bunch of idiots that are upstairs here in the ownership group and executive group and that hopefully these Flyers fans just keep doing what they're doing and just say, we don't like what's going on here, and just stop going. I, that's, I don't know what else you can do at this point. You know, we have these great podcasts. You know, people are writing articles. Social media is really hot on this stuff. But where it hurts them the most is to cancel the season tickets, which, as far as I can tell, I've seen a lot of people have reached out to me via DM and publicly on Twitter about canceling tickets. And uh, I think there's been a pretty big movement on that so far i've seen a lot of people over the last few days that are like i'm not doing this anymore that have been around for years and i'm like good good on you round of applause for people that give up on this team that have the balls to cancel their season tickets because that that's what's gonna hurt them and i actually got a message today a a longtime season ticket holder said i'm done with this they got rid of my season ticket rep guy and they didn't bother to communicate with me for whatever reason. And some new person called me out of the blue and wanted to like sign me up for all these different things. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. And it's like, again, you're asking a huge commitment and that's the whole thing with season ticket holders is they're putting a financial commitment and a time commitment. And they are your, I don't want to say the hardest of the hardcore fans, but it's pretty obvious that they are a vocal group that you need to listen to because part of your business model is about season ticket sales. And this is a gate driven league. So you do need to have a solid foundation of season ticket holders. And if they want to go and bitch at you at a, you know, (laughs) at a, at a, at a flyers town hall, Mm -hmm. you kind of got to sit there and take it and listen to them and try to appease the masses. And if they're telling you that, dude, the sound is way too loud, then you got to sit there and actually make that a priority. And I hope that they do. I hope they listen. But at the same time, when people are not going to games, that's we've talked about this before. Like, this is bad. Like, this is really worrisome. And this goes beyond the whole, well, this is the tanking culture. They're not tanking. Yeah. This is, this is the whole thing is the product on the ice is not worth spending. And it's one thing you've already spent the money for season tickets. People now aren't even going Mm -hmm. and they try to sell the tickets and they sit there and they go, you know what? So I'm going to make back 40 or 50 bucks. Out of the you know the you know 150 that I spent for these tickets, forget it. I don't even care. It's not even worth it anymore. I'm gonna waste the time to email and the tickets and go through the app and do this and do that. And somebody had to complain about the electronic app too, and that's a problem. Yes, yeah. Like, which I, I can confirm. Were... If it's the same thing, the fans use it. Fucking sucks. Yeah, it does we suck. Have a, we have a ticket master based one for Toronto FC. 
Apparently the Eagles have a ticket-based master one and it works well. But whatever the system the Flyers and Phantom use, it just sucks. The reader doesn't accept it most of the time. Or it's just, oh, they're barely a week goes by when I go to a Phantoms game and it doesn't happen. But yeah, it was something we issues. talked about. Um, I was talking about this with Bobby on Twitter last night. Like, you know, you, you were talking about uh, the front office and kind of getting the league attention, and he's like, "Oh, you know, the league's never going to gift him anything. You know, we're not going to get the Penguins treatment." And I don't believe we are, but. I do think, and when we had San Felipe on the show maybe about a month ago, he said the same thing. Like, this is a top city in a revenue-sharing league that is drawing a third of a building every night. Like, they're taking notice. You know, like, something is happening here behind the scenes. The league has to put a little pressure on. I guarantee you, Batman has called Dave Scott and go, what the fuck is happening here? You know? Why is this going the way it is? Like, you have to be drawing the ire of somebody in a revenue-sharing league when you're a top-five city drawing a third of a building every night. You know, this can't continue. Which leads me to believe that the overhaul they're talking about is real. They they are going to go into the off-season and do whatever the fuck they can to try and right the ship here because they need to. You know, I would assume that there's a lot more happening behind the scenes. They're a lot more panicked than they let on um, in this scenario. But it is interesting. Do you foresee a situation like I know a lot of fans out there are like, well, Comcast has so much money, nothing matters. You're not going to affect them. Or, yeah, the, the CEO of Comcast, he doesn't give a shit. He's not even Dave Scott's not even on his radar. This is like nothing. But what if Gary Bettman picks up the phone and calls Comcast's owner and says, dude, what's going on with the Flyers, man? Like, you guys are affecting our business, and this is bad for you, too. Like, we're losing money. You're losing money. What gives? What's going on? Do you think that that conversation has happened? Where Gary Bettman or Bill Daly has contacted somebody at Comcast and said, something's going on in Philadelphia with your flyers, and you better figure that out. I don't know if they've talked to Comcast, but I'm sure they've heard from Comcast Spectacor. I'm, there's no way they have not <clears throat> talked to Fletcher and or Scott about what's going on. There's no way. I guess the question is, and this is, I mean, that's a really great question, Manny, is what is the reporting, what is the nature of the reporting with regard to financials from teams to the league? What's the frequency? What's the analysis? Like, there's like these like board of governors meetings yeah. and stuff like are those the times when these issues are addressed? I don't know. You know, we're not there. And a lot of NHL reporters don't really report on substance of those unless they have to deal with like a, you know, like a, like expansion team or something, or maybe even rule changes or something. But, uh, you know, when and how is revenue reported and analyzed in the NHL calendar year? Um, that's really kind of the crux of the question here. And once we know the answer to that, we can determine, okay, well then, is there responsibility and liability on the Flyers here for woefully coming short of their historical goals? Um, Why are they not meeting those goals? And are there repercussions? Um, Assuming there are repercussions, I still think that even if, even if in a scenario where Gary Bettman himself comes down to Dave Scott and says, what the fuck are you doing? You're costing us, you know, all this money. We can't support the Coyotes and whomever else. <laughs> the Coyotes are playing yeah. the five thousand seat arena because yeah. of you. Yeah, because you know, you're not you're not contributing the level that we expected from you. 
I still think at the end of the day, if I say, oh, you know what? You're right. Wait until Hayes and Couturier come back. <laughs> you know, like, I still think they're that fucking dumb. Yeah, I believe that it. They would just say, you know what? It's just injuries. Once we get Coots back as a 1C and we're going to bring in, you know, a free agent, we'll be smooth sailing. Like, I still don't think – I think they may realize it's a problem, but their way of fixing it is wholly inadequate. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't doubt that for a second. <laughs> Something's wrong. Something's wrong in the organization. There's so, actually so much wrong in the organization. The yeah. fact that we can sit here for three hours and just ramble about how shitty this yeah. team is is probably <laughs> – a sign. <laughs> well, Dan, you mentioned this, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, and this is, a, you know, this is a good point too. this is probably something we should discuss in every few weeks here is, you know, what, what's the threshold at what point does, you know, does, does shit hit the fan? How much more leash do the flyers get from the league? They get one more season of, you know, uh, 10,000 fans, two more season, 10,000 fans. Like how far does this go? I mean, it's just, it's, I I don't know. It's not getting any better anytime soon. And this is, like, I've, I don't think it's going to be resolved next season. Like I said, it doesn't happen overnight. You do not get, I mean, we've been talking about the attendance off and on since at least 2019-20, you know. Probably even a couple years before that. Like, this has been a devolution for years. You know, this is not just all of a sudden the Wells Fargo Center's empty. You know, it's just all of a sudden that's getting this bad. But it's been getting, you know, more empty over the years. People are done. It's going to take years of success, of legitimate true success, before you're back up to where you were before this whole era hit, before you're at the 2010 levels. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. If you come out and win 50 straight games next year, there's going to be people like me that are going, it's just a matter of time before they fuck it up. You know, before they lose 40 straight games and they miss the playoffs, you know, it's going to take years to earn that trust back from the fans. And these people that are giving up on their season tickets, they're giving up because they're done, because they can't take anymore. They don't want to take the gamble of dropping $10,000 on season tickets and have to sit through this shit again, right? What's it going to take to get those people back? You know, it's going to take a lot. It's going to take years of trust. And I don't know if they're going to put that team on the ice next year. Even if they can put together a team and they make all the trades and this shit, how much time do they buy themselves? you still got Katurian Hayes on a contract. You're going to sign a bunch of people in their late 20s that may be good enough to get you back into the playoffs next year. But how long has Johnny Gaudreau got before he washes up? You know, he's 29 years old. Then what? You know what? Two, three years out of him before he declines? And then by that point, Sean Couture is 35, you know? And everything goes to shit again, right? So even if you can salvage yourself in the short term, doing that does not help. And that's what the, you know, this, this rebuild thing goes into place. Like, if there was ever a time just to scorch earth this shit and try again, now's the time. Because you're already at rock bottom. What the fuck more do you have to lose? You know, if you came out and said, hey, we're going to go through a rebuild, but you were honest about it. If Dave Scott sent out that letter to the fans like the Rangers did, said, listen, we're going to fucking suck for a while. But you know what? The end game is great. At least I would buy in, you know, because I'm desperate for a direction. I'm desperate for a process I as a fan can get behind because this losing just for the fucking sake of losing shit sucks. You know, and it goes back to the ticket thing. If you can put a process in place. And you can sell them like fucking Hextall did, that this generation of players is going to be the greatest fucking thing that ever existed. 
People are going to buy back in. They're going to buy in. They're going to want to see Tyson Forrester and Morgan Frost and Bobby Brink and Cam York and all these guys. You know, even if it ultimately turns out to be shit like the extra dared, you can buy people in for a short amount of time and try and correct the ship, but they're not doing that. Instead, they're giving mixed messages at mid-season meetings about, well, maybe we're going to be competitive next year. We'll see what happens. You know, mm-hmm. fans are leaving in droves. I, I, I don't know. I'm sure I could pull up the TV rating somehow if I wanted to. But I'm sure that's shit, too. I can't imagine people are watching. Flyers Twitter's dead these days. On a night tonight, listen, I've been live-tweeting Flyers games for about ten years. I think this is my ninth season. I've never seen anything like this. It is a desert. It's empty. I interact with, like, five people on a night-to-day basis. I used to interact with 30 or 40, you know? It's insane how few people are live-tweeting games anymore. Because they don't want to do it! And if this wasn't my job, I wouldn't turn the TV on either, okay? It's just three hours of self-destructive suffering watching this team suck. I can't even imagine spending multiple hundreds of dollars to go to one game, let alone dropping thousands of dollars on season tickets right now. These people that have been around for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that are giving up their season tickets, I don't blame them one bit. You people are smart. You broke the spell and you're out. Good job. You know, if they ever earn it back and they earn that trust back and they earn that winning streak back, then we can talk. But until then, they deserve everything they fucking get with people walking out on them. Because it's when you did it to yourselves, you assholes. You did it to yourselves. God. And I'm a Dave Scott loyalist, remind you. Fuck yeah. that guy. I have this vision in my head while you were doing <laughs> that rant of Dave Scott in a toga. And it's like he's a like a like an emperor of some kind of empire. And he's going around, don't worry, people. I'm not raising your taxes this year. It's all good. Even though the the empire is filled with strife and rebellion and different groups want to break away and tear this shit to hell. And he's there, no raise taxes. Don't worry. Everything's fine. And meanwhile, it's like, dude, you don't even know. You got to lower these ticket prices, dude. Like, you got to stop. They're not even lowering them. They're keeping them the same. Right. That's so your, not a your strategy. glass seats are still seven hundred dollars. <laughs> like again, it's 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 that whole emperor has no clothes thing. It's like, <laughs> dude, you don't even realize that you've lost next season too. They'll figure like, it out one day. There'll be a reckoning sooner or later. There's got to be. If this keeps up right. next year, holy shit! Can you imagine this time next season if they do this again? <laughs> there's I mean, gonna there's be a- four thousand people in the Wells Fargo Center every night, and those are only the people that are too goddamn dumb to leave. I, there's a reasonable chance it does happen, you know, given the trajectory of what this franchise is doing and the absurd <laughs> off-season plans that they apparently have. And you know, I mean, like and all your key players that are injured this season may as well be injured next year. Ellis, yeah. Coots, Hayes—they're all coming back from serious shit. Katuri's coming back from back surgery for Christ's sake. Yeah. No other NHL general manager is just going to, you know, just fucking bend over and just say, "Take my best players for." Right. Travis connecting. It's not going to happen. Like, like there's, there's virtually nothing this team can do unless they, you know, pull off some miracle trades as we had outlined previously. Um, But I don't even know if Chuck Fletcher has it in him to do it. I don't, I don't know if he's thinking at that level of the, of the dry sidle Spencer Knight level. I, I think he's thinking at the, you know, Hey, well, you, you know, maybe we get a Johnny Gaudreau level. Yeah, Ristolainen. <laughs> yeah, we'll get, you know, re-sign Ristolainen and we'll 
We'll swap a Giroux for a There's Goudreau. There's a first-round pick for Jeff Petrie. <laughs> yeah, we'll get you know, you know, bring Petrie in here, Petri dish, and you know, we'll bring in um, you know some other middling, mid-tier players to, uh, to complement our our all-star core of Couturier, Hayes, and Ellis. Yeah. It's just that's not gonna do it, and. I don't know. Maybe it brings back a little bit of fans. You know, I guess it's all about just, you know, filling the stadium to an extent. But I don't know, man. I think that, I don't know, like, if there is a God in this world and the Flyers try to do some bullshit again this offseason, I hope they all get fucking injured again and this continues to happen. <laughs> like, it just, just let it roll. And even if they, I don't know. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I hope they don't get injured and they still do this shit. That would be the best case scenario because then they can, you know, we can strike that excuse off of it. But then I guess the counter to that is they'll always find an excuse. Fuck. If they do this again next year, I can't do this again for another season. Yeah. I can't do what I do again for another year. I can't even take the last 28 games of the season. They got like seven weeks and 28 games left. Just fuck off. God damn. This is brutal. I'd rather... I don't just start drafting. Like, I mean, I can get into the draft for a certain period of time, you know, like I'm cool with that. I just don't want to do that, you know, for eight years straight, but <laughs> I'll do it for a couple of years. Like I'm cool with that. You know, get into prospects and stuff like that's fun. Um, but you know, like we had mentioned the other week, it's just about the life cycle of a franchise life cycle of winning. And you got to do that. You got to, you know, take your lumps for a couple of years and draft high. I can guarantee you. If this if this team drafted, you know, I don't know, two players in the top three or four in consecutive years and they're on this roster, people are going to come. You're going to get a couple thousand people every night. They're going to come out to see your Trevor Zegras or your Shane Wrights. Like, that's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, within a year or two, you start building off of that with your free agents and your trades. And maybe you hit on another first round pick like a Pasternak or an Ajo type player. And then you're cooking. You know, and that's that's kind of what our blueprint has been, um, our advice to the franchise over the past, you know, year. Well, that year, probably eight or nine months at this point. Um, and I just don't see why they won't do that. They should they should do it. So I want to drill down into something. So, Dan, you said that next year, if this happens again, that's it. I'm covering pro- women's hockey full time next year if that happens. That's where my heart's and, at right now, and I'm done. I'm not doing this anymore. See, see, and, see, see, and that's the difference is where a lot of people on, that I see on Flyers Twitter are like, well, I can't handle a rebuild. I can't do this. I can't. And it's Great. like, but at least there's a vision in mind of where you're going, right? It, where I think you're coming from, and maybe you can – I don't want to put words in your mouth, Dan, but the idea of we're going to run this back and retool – because, just so that we can get into the playoffs again and then for them to sputter and fail miserably, that can't happen because yeah. that'll kill everything. If there was a plan to the losing, I'd at least be on board for the short period of time that it'd be there. Now, I turned on Ron Hextall rather quick. I turn on whoever the fuck leads him through the next rebuild rather quick if it's apparent they're doing it wrong. But in the short term... If you say we're going to lose, we're going to tank for Bedard and then get right back on the horse in 2024, okay, I'll at least hear you out for the time being, you know. But I don't think that's the case. I think they're going to pay Nazim Kadri a stupid amount of money. 
I think they're going to fucking roll back with a one, two, three punch of Couturier, Hayes, and Kadri uh, down the middle and pay, you know, John Kligberg some obscene amount of money, get Petrie, just fuck everything up. They're going to try and bandage it again just long enough to make it work. They're not going to bring in anybody. And listen, we can sit here and theorize about a Giroux, Knight, Dreisaitl trade all day long, but the chance of that happening in real life are pretty sure. fucking slim, right? Absolutely. It's the, that, those are the deals... That may be the caliber of deal that needs to happen, but that's the stuff that just doesn't happen in real life. You, they're going to go after Gaudreau. They're going to go after maybe Forsberg. But, you know, just swapping Forsberg and Konechny equate to a, a positive. Do you walk out of that deal substantially better than you were going in? Maybe, but not much. It's a 50-point winger for a 50-point winger. You know, maybe you have somebody that can shoot the fucking puck and be a little more physical than Konechny, but it's just all the moves that you do are not going to produce the net positive that's necessary to legitimately fix the team. Not long-term, anyway. Maybe you get a year out of them, but as I just alluded to, you're going to get the year out of them, and then they're going to go back next year, and everyone's going to be old and broken down. You know, you salvage a season or two, but then you're still fucked, you know? There's just, there's no outcome here of trying to bandage this team that is ideal. None. You need to do blockbuster trade after blockbuster trade to land the dry sidles and the whoever the fuck else is you know make a few moves or if you're lucky enough you can get a first round pick and Shane Wright comes in and does something crazy and he's the next Trevor Zegers you know that'd be great but I just you there's no plan moving forward that has them being competitive in the next couple of years that makes any sense long term but just uh, nothing even medium term no, because even even if they somehow squeak into the playoffs even next year, four years down the road, it doesn't make any sense. There, there's a legit chance that they get bounced from the playoffs again the year after. Yeah, and that it starts that whole cycle of in and out, in and out, in and out again, and that we're nowhere. Yep, exactly. So they're the Detroit Lions of the NHL, essentially. Somebody had posted that I forget who it was, but I thought it was a very well, you know a very good analogy or comparison because the problem is like we had mentioned that so many teams have lapped them that like they're now in lions territory. Like they're just not like, you know, they're not, you know, barely competing for the division or, you know, barely competing for the playoffs. They're in, they're in lions territory. Like they can't even get into mediocrity anymore because all the other teams have lapped them. (laughs) They're that far off. Yeah, they're really, I mean, you could write a research paper on this team about what not to do. 